Hello and welcome to Coffee Up by Market Lane Coffee, a podcast for our growing community of like-minded businesses who want to serve delicious, sustainable and ethically sourced coffees. My name is Christian. As of the financial year 2020-2021, Market Lane proudly became recognised as a carbon neutral company. While we may all have a general idea of what it means to be carbon neutral, that's to say having a balance between the carbon emitted by a business and reclaiming that carbon amount back, we thought that we'd take the time to cover some of the finer details. In this episode, you'll hear from one of Market Lane's directors, Jason Sheltis, as well as Susie Hoban. Susie joined Market Lane in 2021 and is our head of marketing, communications and sustainability. She's been the driving force in Market Lane finding ways to improve its environmental practices across all areas of the business. Together, they'll cover the journey of Market Lane becoming carbon neutral, how the process of becoming carbon neutral works, and what we learned along the way. Hi, Jason. So we are carbon neutral. It's a huge achievement. But tell me, what does that mean? Hi, Susie. Um, Yeah, I'm excited to be sitting here talking about this. It's been a project of ours for a couple of years, and uh, it's something that I'm really passionate about and really excited to be sort of going over and getting into the detail of it. Carbon neutral means that we're basically accounting for all the carbon uh, dioxide equivalent that we use uh, for our business practices. So that's things like our electricity usage, our staff commute, and then pretty much like everything else that falls into our business, professional services, obviously the coffee, the milk, things like that. So being carbon neutral means doing an inventory or a stock take of everything that we do for our business and attributing a carbon emission factor to it to say that, you know, one litre of milk produces this much carbon in its life cycle or its lifetime. So therefore we have to find a way to offset it or to reduce the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere by doing some sort of abatement. And the abatements are called offsets. And the offset basically takes out the equivalent amount of carbon dioxide that we're putting into the atmosphere through our business practices. So it was a lot of work and we learned an enormous amount in the process. But before we dig into the work that was involved, tell us why is this important to Market Lane? Well, for us, it's really important to us to run a business that we're proud of and participate in something that we can be proud of day to day. Like it's a real privilege to, to own a business and to, you know, to choose the people you work with and how you work. The thing that comes with that is, I think, a moral responsibility to do it in a way that's right, you know, for our, um, our staff, our environment, our communities. And a big part of that is an environmental sort of obligation that I think we have. Especially in Australia, where our government is just not doing enough in terms of the environment and looking after the earth that we live on and um, a a stewardship that we really do have over over the earth. So I think businesses have a really important part to play and a very influential role to play as well to say, this is the thing that we're choosing to do because we think it's right. And we hope that, you know, everyone comes along with us um, in that way. And so how did we start the process of becoming carbon neutral? It was slow. You know, we started, um, we started a long time ago and initially I thought we could just do it ourselves, basically, you know, create an inventory of the carbon dioxide that we um, generate through our practices and go to the, you know, national greenhouse accounts database and just attribute values, plug them in and things like that. But we quickly discovered that it was, you know, really much more complicated than we initially thought. And it was difficult to work out what our what our scope was, the things we should include, the things we didn't have to include. 
and uh, pretty much where to start. So um, I sort of flailed about for six months trying to put it all together and and then finally just went out and looked for a consulting company to, to help us. So we found Pangolin Associates. They had done some work for other coffee companies. So yeah, we approached Pangolin and they came up with a whole program as to how to become carbon neutral. So they helped us with a carbon assessment. What was involved in that work? It was very thorough. So we went through... Uh, a number of steps. The first one was basically um, working out the organizational boundaries and they tend to define it as anything that your ABN has control over. So for us, it was all of our cafes, um, our wholesale, our online sort of business units, and then also any emissions that we have control over. So it'd be things like, yeah, like I said before, professional services or staff commute, things like that. In practice, it was a matter of going through our P&L, our profit and loss, and looking at you know all the expenses everywhere we spend money, trying to find the actual data where we can. And then if we can't find the actual data of emissions, um, using like a basically a, 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 an account or a chart to work out what the emissions factor for a particular dollar amount was for, say, professional services. So when we started doing this assessment, there were a lot of terms that were relatively new to us. So you've just defined organizational boundaries. There was also the term operational control. What does that mean? Yeah, it's a, it's a way of defining uh, what emissions you have direct control over. Um, so it could be as simple as like the electricity use in a building. So obviously you can choose um, your supplier, but you can also choose how you know much of it you use or where you use it. Some examples that aren't in our operational control are like, say, Queen Victoria Market, where our dairy hall shop is. We don't have control over you know the air conditioning of the whole building. We have control over what happens inside our shop. And defining these boundaries is a really important, crucial step to um, becoming carbon neutral because it means you uh, deliberately leave some things out and deliberately include things and, and you know exactly what you're including and what you're not including. And then another term that's really common and very important to understand when you're doing a carbon assessment is the scope one, two and three emissions. Can you explain what they are? Yeah, I think they're really commonly misunderstood and... I think sometimes deliberately by larger organizations, the terms are a bit clouded because they will only uh, look at scope one and scope two and sort of avoid scope three. But just to sort of define them, uh, scope one is emissions we have direct control over. So that's things like natural gas that we use for our coffee roaster, transportation fuels, say for our delivery van, uh, we use diesel and uh, refrigerants as well, like the gases that power the condenser units in our fridges. Scope two is is really simple. It's just purchased electricity. So that's a really neat and defined scope. And then scope three is a big one. Scope three is everything else. That includes literally everything that we touch. So it's all upstream suppliers, lights, food and beverage, waste disposals, professional services, uh, staff commuting. And just to give an idea of what the size of each scope for us was, our total emissions is about a thousand tons of carbon. For us, scope one was only about 30 tons. Scope two was 125 tons. And then scope three was really big. It was like 800 tons per year. So scope three is definitely the big one. So at the end of our assessment process, we had a very large and detailed spreadsheet, which we handed over to Pangolin. What did they do with the data we shared with them? Well, they tried to attribute a carbon cost to every single line. Uh, well, they did. They attributed a carbon cost to every single line that we provided. Ideally, it was about getting the most accurate data that they could and attributing the most accurate carbon cost. But 
there's also a an element of like what's possible and what what we can do. So in some instances, they're not shortcuts, but they're like they're assumptions that they made based on the data that we've provided. Like our coffee cups, for example, there's a you know national greenhouse account which says you know one coffee cup has this many grams of carbon per unit or something. Like there's a a carbon cost to a coffee cup, but it's not related to the cost of our coffee cup. You know, and we use compostable coffee cups. So, you know, maybe the coffee cups we use are better than the ones that they assessed in the, the national accounts. So there, there is a bit of an assumption going on with some of the things that they've put into that spreadsheet, but it's a matter of getting it done and a matter of, you know, making a good assumption rather than being absolutely the most accurate. And when we got the carbon assessment results back from Pangolin, did anything surprise you? Yeah, I was surprised at scope three, to be honest. I thought I thought the electricity usage in our shops would be uh, a much bigger portion of our total emissions. And, you know, being 12%, it is a really big part of our emissions and it's something we're going to be able to um, make some really big positive changes for. But yeah, scope three being, you know, 80% of our total emissions is really, really large. And considering most of those or a lot of those are services that we're purchasing from other businesses, I think there's a real opportunity to, you know, to, to get out there and talk to our suppliers and say, this is what's important to us. You know, would you consider going down, you know, a carbon neutral route yourself? And so once we determined our carbon emissions, we had to offset them as part of the process of becoming carbon neutral. What does it mean to offset your carbon emissions? Well, as, a, as we talked about in the introduction, I guess it's, it's a matter of removing that carbon from the atmosphere in some way. And there are a number of ways that the people generate these carbon offsets, these carbon credits. A really easy one to understand is like tree planting because, you know, trees will consume carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and convert it into, you know, sugars and soil carbon, basically sequester it in some way. So tree planting and forests are a really big carbon sink and that's a, it's a really easy way to understand it. So purchasing a carbon offset would mean contributing to a project that um, removes carbon from the atmosphere in some way. And one carbon credit, what is that equivalent to in greenhouse gases? Yeah, one carbon credit's one tonne of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. There are many different projects we could invest in in order to offset our carbon. How do you choose the right carbon offsets? Yeah, it's, it's really difficult because it's a young industry. In my opinion, it's not regulated that well in Australia. You know, because it's kind of a new industry, it's, it's very difficult to find experts in the field who can sort of guide you through. Australia's done particularly badly in this, in this sense. Like it, it's been in the news recently about these junk carbon offsets that our government's been generating. I mean, a long story short, some of the offsets that you can buy are a bit of a rort and the way that Australia is a country has declared that we've reduced our carbon emissions is also a bit of a fantasy. Like we haven't actually reduced them. We've just set, set aside, you know, huge chunks of land and said that we're not going to clear them of trees. And in my mind, that's not really doing anything beneficial. And it's, it's, a, it's a waste of people's money to say that this is a, a good way of reducing, you know, our carbon footprint of Australia when actually it, it's just making a few people rich for the sake of making them rich. It's a bit of a rant, but um, but the, I guess the short story is that there are you know better credits than others, and you have to look at what project you want to invest in and make a determination as to whether it's worthwhile or whether it makes sense. 
There's also very different prices for offsets. Some of them are as low as $6 and they can go up to hundreds of dollars per credit. How are they priced? What's the difference in the prices? Yeah, that's right. The first offsets that we bought from Panglen, we, we didn't really have a choice. We had to purchase from basically their inventory. They had forward purchased a bunch of carbon credits from a number of projects over you know, a year or two. And these ones were on their, uh, in their stock that they had that they could sell. So the ones that we bought initially were $8 per, per tonne. Uh, you probably would have heard the price of carbon can go from anywhere from you know, $10 to $20 in the EU to $100. So there is a really big range and it's hard to know exactly why, but essentially they're bought and sold on an open market. So once they're generated by a project, they can be bought and sold and traded like a commodity. You know, you can purchase these carbon credits and then sell them a number of times if you want. And it's only when an end sort of company like us comes along and uh, wants to purchase them to retire them against our carbon footprint that they're taken off the market. It, it means that projects that are you know, better than other projects are more expensive. And it can be because the project itself has a higher cost. You know, it, it's not planting trees, but it's a more complicated way of removing carbon from the atmosphere and therefore it's more expensive to produce and therefore they're asking for a higher price for it. In the future, we'll, we'll be able to be a little bit more choosy about which projects we support. And just in regards to that, you've done a little bit of research into purchasing credits for this current financial year, so ending 21-22. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you found? Yes, I have. We have already started purchasing offsets for the emissions for this financial year. We've bought 100 credits through the Aboriginal Carbon Foundation in their Savannah Burning Project. This is happening in the Northern Territory and Indigenous communities manage controlled burns in order to prevent bushfires. And bushfires obviously emit enormous quantities of carbon into the atmosphere. We wanted to purchase these for offsetting our emissions last year, but they were sold out. But now we know how this system works. We're getting in early. And so these offsets will be for emissions in the current financial year. Yep. Excellent. So let's get into some nitty gritty. Our carbon neutral assessment looked at our carbon emissions since the start of the last financial year. So we are currently verified as a carbon neutral organization since July 2020. Now we're in the process of becoming climate active certified. So can you tell us what's the climate active certification and why are we working to become certified? Sure. So, yeah, as you mentioned, um, our carbon neutral assessment, yeah, started 1st of July, 2020 and ran through to June 30, 2021. Um, so that's the financial year 21. Yeah, there's a couple of different ways you can become carbon neutral yourself. There's a European standard that we're adhering to. There's also an Australian government organisation called Climate Active, and they basically do sort of a, a bit more of a thorough audit of your data. They also consider one sort of uh, crucial difference to, um, to the European standard is a full life cycle assessment of the main product that you sell. So for us, the difference between becoming uh, carbon neutral to the European standard and carbon neutral to the climate active standard will be evaluating the life cycle of you know, a bag of coffee in, in terms of how it's used either in our shops, whether it's put through our grinders and served as an espresso or whether it's sold to a customer and then taken home and disposed of. In that sense, we have to sort of make some assumptions about how it's being disposed of. In our own shops, obviously, we can make those determinations ourselves. And we've determined becoming climate active certified is 
beneficial because the big difference that it makes for our organization is that it means that other people will be able to use our products and claim that they are carbon neutral as products themselves. So what that means is, I mean, for the example of Market Lane and Melbourne Coffee Merchants, Melbourne Coffee Merchants is our sister business. Fleur owns part of Market Lane and she owns Melbourne Coffee Merchants as well. We have separate ABNs, so we have different uh, organisational boundaries. And Melbourne Coffee Merchants being climate active, certified carbon neutral means that we don't have to account for the green coffee that we purchase from Melbourne Coffee Merchants. And similarly, when we sell our roasted coffee to Altius, for example, in Bendigo, say they wanted to become carbon neutral, the coffee beans line in their profit and loss or their carbon inventory will become zero because the product that we're selling, the coffee beans, come from a carbon neutral organisation and their carbon neutral products as well. So our roasted coffee will be a net zero yep, that's carbon right. product. That's right. And the benefit is that it encourages other businesses to explore whether it's possible to be carbon neutral and it also removes the burden that we're putting on other businesses in terms of the products that we're selling. And we're confident we're going to be certified. It's just going through the process. So what would that mean for roasted coffee our customers are purchasing from us today? So yeah, anything from coffee we've sold to customers from the 1st of July, 2021, all the way through until the end of this financial year. So June 30, 22, will be climate active, certified carbon neutral. So if any of our customers in the future, and it could be, you know, that they take the assessment on next year, or it could even be the year after, you can go back in terms of when you establish your base here, they can claim our coffee being carbon neutral. So it was a very long process. What did you learn from doing a carbon assessment and becoming carbon neutral? I mean, I I learned a lot. I I learned a lot about, you know, where it's weighted, some things that contributed a lot more to our carbon footprint than others. I was really surprised that our, I mean, I think I mentioned before that our our electricity use is about 12% of our total carbon footprint. So that surprised me. And I was also surprised at the depth um, and scope that we went through to become carbon neutral. When we first started out, I was sort of looking at where we made an impact and I would look at our electricity, I would look at our natural gas and I would say, well, these are the things that contribute to our carbon footprint. But really the process was the other way around. It's basically everywhere you spend money, that is where your carbon footprint lies and then attributing um, you know, a carbon cost to those things. So that sort of approach was uh, a surprise to me. The other thing that struck me is that it really is achievable, you know, like it was hard and it's not free, you know. I think I calculate it cost us less than 1% of our total revenue to become carbon neutral. Honestly, I thought it would be more, like I thought it would be quite a bit more expensive. I think just, you know, thinking about what the value of doing the right thing is for your business in some way, I think is really important to look at. For us, I definitely thought that it would be more difficult or more expensive. So yeah, give it a go if, you, <laughs> if you're interested, for sure. And what advice would you give to other companies who are considering becoming carbon neutral? Well, I'd say it's a process in that doing the assessment and buying the offsets is, you know, just one part of that. So a bigger part of the process is also making a commitment to reduce your emissions because we can't all offset everything, you know, like that's not going to work. So for the, for the future, we also have to reduce our emissions where we can. So making a commitment to doing that and 
to be honest, you know, what number you pick, what percentage you pick to reduce your output by is a little bit arbitrary. It's going to be different for every business. But having a goal and measuring will almost certainly mean that you're going to get closer to, you know, fewer emissions than before. Because essentially before we weren't measuring it, you know, we weren't, we knew that green electricity was good and that, you know, uh, not using heaters with the doors open was good, but we didn't we didn't ever measure the you know the the kilowatt hour output for a um, a particular shop, and now that we are measuring it, it will reduce just by you know by the fact that we're looking at it. So what advice would I give? I think I would say it's really really valuable to even just try it. You don't have to use a consulting company like Pangolin. They added a lot of value for us and and we found it really beneficial to use them. But even in the process of just measuring your carbon footprint, I think will make quite a big difference. And I'd also say, you know, reach out to similar businesses, people that you know have done it. I would definitely encourage anyone who's interested to get in touch with us and ask questions. I'm really keen to talk about it um, with anyone I'm really interested in the topic and would obviously be more than happy to talk about it or to answer any questions that people have. Jason, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for listening. We're hoping that by Markalene becoming carbon neutral, we will help influence other companies to do so and also make the process easier for them. If you're interested in your business becoming carbon neutral, you can read the guide to becoming carbon neutral blog post published on our website. Or feel free to reach out to us directly as we'd love to have a chat with you.